Psalm 115. And let's worship the Lord with these inspired words given to us by the psalmist. We often look into this psalm to rejoice in the difference that our God describes about Himself as compared to the gods of the heathen in verses 3 down through verse 8. But I want to look at some other things in this psalm today. Let's stand together and read in unison Psalm 115. Together. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory, for Thy mercy and for Thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord. Neither any that go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. In the first two verses, we have an example given to us by the Holy Spirit of holy reasoning. This is how men ought to pray, and this is an appeal that is made by mighty intercessors like Moses and others by appealing to the glory of God rather than any other motivation for God to come to their help and, and, and sustenance. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy 
and for thy truth's sake. Lord, we need your help. But we don't, we're not asking you to do it for our sake. We're asking you to do it for the sake of your name and the glory of your name. And for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Because why should you allow the heathen to say in that second verse, Where is now their God? Those are words spoken by the heathen about Israel and the appearance that God was no longer their God and God wasn't helping them and God wasn't defending them. And so the appeal is, Lord, if you don't help us, your mercy and your truth and your name is going to be ridiculed by the heathen. Not unto us, but unto your own name. And for your name's sake, help us. Why are you going to let the heathen have a cause to question your relationship with us? This is a way to pray. You want to pray to ask God to be glorified through your family, through your life, through your finances, through your health. Whatever aspect you're talking about, appeal to the glory of God. Not the comfort of your soul, not the blessing of your prosperity. Let those be far down the list from the glory of His name. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory. The Lord will respond because He is jealous for His name. It is the highest motivation we can appeal to. The jealousy of God for His own glory. The heathen may say that in verse 2, Where is now their God? We have surrounded their major cities with armies. Where is now their God? There's a famine in Israel. Where is now their God? They've been hauled into captivity in Babylon. Where is now their God? What does verse 3 answer to that question? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. That's where our God is. Where is now their God? Our God is in the heavens. Because our God made the heavens and the earth. He made the heavens for Himself and the earth for us. He's in heaven. Not like your Dagon. Not like your Vishnu. Not like your meteorite in Mecca. Not like the great spirit inhabiting some buffalo. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. And sometimes... That may mean a little chastening on the people of God, which causes the enemies of God to reproach Him and to reproach them, thinking that God has forsaken them. But you and I both know that when God chastens us, it is the proof and evidence of His love for us. The fact that they can't understand that is their fault. And it shouldn't affect us at all, and it certainly doesn't affect the glory of God. Except in this way, He will not chasten them forever. As the Bible warrant tells us, He will come with blessing in the morning after chastening His people. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. And we will have cause to think upon this further. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Malachi 3.6 Right here in this verse. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. If sinners get away with sin for a long time, it is His long-suffering. He is still the God of judgment. When judgment comes, He is still the Lord in charge because He's fulfilling His righteous character in judging His enemies. Let's come all the way down to verse 9. 
We have ridiculed the gods of the heathen enough in verses 4 through 8 in times past. Verses 9 through 11 encourage us that the Lord, the God, is our help and our shield. A shield is a means of protection. It's a means of defense. He helps us. He blesses us and prospers our way by helping us along. And He also provides a shield. And three categories of Israel are mentioned in the purpose of this psalm. And we do not know how this psalm was used in public worship. It very well could have had a refrain in these three verses by a statement made by one part of the choir or the congregation in the first half of the verse and then the answer in the second half of the verse. Notice in verse 9, O Israel, Israel's in the second person, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. And then the response, He is their help and their shield. Referring to them in the third person. We don't know how David, Asaph, and others use these psalms, but we can look into them and see that they are beautiful for worship. Verse 9, O Israel, the whole congregation, all twelve tribes, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. Amen. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, and that's the father of all the priests. Not Levi. Levi was not a father of the priests. Levi was the father of the Levites. Aaron was the father of the priests. So this is all the ministers of God under the Old Testament. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. The response, He is their help and their shield. Verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, Gentiles or Jews, anyone that fears the Lord. The Apostle Paul would stand up in Acts 13, and open up a sermon to a mixed audience of Jews and Gentiles by saying, Men and brethren, his Jewish kin, Men and brethren, and whosoever among you feareth God, Gentile proselytes, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So we have in verse 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord God that made the heavens that is greater than all these idols of the pagans and the heathen, that God is your help and He is your shield. He will protect you from trouble and He will bless and prosper your way. Verse 12. The Lord hath been mindful of us. Is that comforting to you? The Lord hath been mindful of us. He hasn't forgotten you. Is there a woman in the Bible that thought she had been forgotten and really didn't even think that God would consider her. And she was pregnant and was fired from her job, kicked out of her house, and sent packing on her way. She was an Egyptian. She was pregnant. She was a bond slave. What did she name the God that visited her in the wilderness? Thou God seest me. Genesis chapter 16. One fantastic passage. Thou God seest me. She could not believe that the God of Abraham had a personal interest in her. And that personal God of Abraham took her son that she gave birth to shortly and raised him up and made a mighty nation of him. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He is ever mindful of us. He never forgets us. And this is why we put our trust in Him, and He is our help and our shield. 
The Lord hath been mindful of us. But it's not just that He's mindful of us and knows what's going on in your life. That would only be of a little comfort. That at least someone knows what I'm going through. But that isn't very much comfort. Because the very much comfort comes in the next clause. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. Not only is He mindful and takes recognition of the situations that you're in, but He will bless you. He will take care of you. He will be your help and your shield. He will bless the house of Israel. Now notice, we're going to retrace our steps. This is, this is worship for Israel. We're going to retrace our steps through the three categories. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord. He's retraced the three categories of Israelites working down to those that fear the Lord without distinction of nation or race, for which we are thankful as Gentiles. And then it adds in verse 13, both small and great. If you think yourself insignificant that the great God of heaven would be mindful of you, would bless you, would help you, and would be a shield to you, the Holy Spirit has added a few little words of comfort, both small and great. You don't need to be as great as King David or King Solomon. You can be as small as we are this day. He will help us. He will bless us. He will be mindful of us. He will be our help and our shield. Verse 14. Extended blessings. The Lord shall increase you more and more. You and your children. Now there is something assumed in this verse, and I hope that every Bible reader would understand it. Something's assumed in this verse. It's the house of Israel, it's the house of Aaron, and it's those that fear the Lord. It's those that fear the Lord in Israel, it's those that fear the Lord in the house of Israel, and it's and the house of Aaron, and it's those that fear the Lord among the Gentiles. It's those small and great that fear the Lord. The Lord will increase you more and more. You and your children. There are blessings to further generations. The Lord will bless them to a thousand generations that love Him. But He will curse them that hate Him. What a comfort. What a blessing. A family blessing in verse 14 that Israel would remember in their worship of God. Ye are blessed of the Lord. Not only will He bless us there in verse 12, it's in the future tense, but here in this 15th verse, ye are blessed of the Lord which made Heaven and earth. Ye are blessed. Just stop and think about it. God's made the heavens and the earth. That is, our God has made the heavens and the earth. Not their gods. Their gods are made by men who were made by our God. And the God who made men, He made them very weak, so that when they are hammering out these pagan gods, the Bible says, they get tired and their hands cramp up and they get thirsty, and they need to eat and drink in order to continue the project. Amen. That's right. And he says they're as dumb as a stone. Amen. Because if they're going to worship a stone, it says that. Doesn't it say that, verse 8? Right. They that make them are like unto them. If somebody makes a stone or a wood or a brazen or an artifact or brass or gold or silver idol, he is as dumb as the thing he has made. To be so foolish as to think that that particular idol or statue can help him. But we are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. He had helped Israel. He had raised them up from one man in Ur of the Chaldeans. Seventy-five went down into Egypt. A couple million came out. He got them through the wilderness. 
through the Red Sea, through the Jordan River, took out 70 cities of the Canaanites, and inhabited the land. Ye are blessed to the Lord, which made heaven and earth. What has He done for you? He's delivered us out of the sinfulness of our race. He's delivered us out of the sinfulness of our hearts. He's delivered us out of the sinfulness of the error and ignorance of our nation. He's delivered us in so many ways. He's delivered you this morning to have the health and strength to be here. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth the heaven. Even the heavens, there's three of them, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. Thank you, Lord, for your works and your purpose declared here in the word of God. Verse 17. Please follow with me. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. This is an important doctrinal verse. There are those that believe in soul sleep. They believe that when a person dies, they cease to exist until the day of resurrection. Now, many, many think that when you die, you cease to exist, period. Others who know that the Bible teaches an afterlife say that there is soul sleep. That when you die, you stop existing. You stop sensing. You stop acting until the day of resurrection. And it's verses like this that they appeal to. They have about 10 to 20 of these verses that say, The dead praise not the Lord. So that means no one goes to heaven until the resurrection because they're dead until they're made alive in the resurrection. This is their reasoning. Neither any that go down into silence, there's no talking after death because you're silently dead in the grave. They're in error, and that's a heresy. Elijah was translated to where? To heaven. Jesus told the thief, where would he be that day after he died? He would be in heaven, in paradise, which is another name for the third heaven, with the Lord Jesus Christ. When Stephen died, he said, come and get my spirit in the day of resurrection, or receive my spirit. These verses are describing the body and the body only. These verses are not describing your spirit. Ecclesiastes teaches us by the great inspired philosopher that when an animal dies, its spirit goes to the earth because it doesn't really have a spirit. It's just an animal spirit. But the spirit of a man goes to be with the Creator who formed that spirit, and then that Creator does with that spirit what He will, and those that have sinned and do not have a Savior are in prison at this hour, according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18-20. through 20. Just like in our nation, you are held in the detention center until your formal sentencing. You're already in prison. You're already suffering punishment. But then you have it formally declared against you and you're sent back to prison. They bring you out of prison to put you back in prison. And that's where the wicked are. They're in prison. And the day of resurrection will only resurrect their bodies. And the day of resurrection for the saints will only resurrect the bodies. Because the Spirit goes on living. The Apostle Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be asleep. No, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is what we believe. And this is truth. Do not let anyone move you by verses like this. Because they'll say, look at this verse. And they'll give you a list of 15 or 20. And I get sick and tired of these lists of verses. 
that are talking about the body, and yet they apply them to the spirit. When your body dies, your body no longer praises God. When your body dies, your body is silent. It doesn't, it's not talking down there. You do not need to put a recorder in with anybody in their coffin. You're going to be silent. Your body's going to be silent. But your spirit is praising. When heaven is open in Revelation chapter 5, there are all the spirits of just men made perfect there, and they are not silent. They are singing praise to the Lamb who redeemed them. The dead praise not the Lord in their bodies. Therefore, therefore, the reasoning in this psalm and in other places is, Lord, preserve my life so that I can continue to praise you with my body and with my voice. Amen. That was Hezekiah's line of reasoning in Isaiah 38. The Lord says you're going to die. Put your house in order. He turned to the Lord. His prayer is found in Isaiah 38. He said, Lord, I can't praise you in the grave. I can't praise you in the grave, and I can't tell my children and my children's children about you if you cut me off right now. If you'll give me a few more years, I'll use that time to tell my children about you and to praise you. Okay? Okay. That's a pretty good reason. I'll give you 15 more years. That's the story of Hezekiah. It's his body that was going to be silent. I hope I've said enough on that. If somebody comes along and gives you 10 or 15 verses that say the dead go into a place that's dark, the dead go into a place that's black, the dead go silent, the dead know nothing, as the verse says, of course, it's talking about their bodies. But our spirits are with the Lord. And they know a whole lot more than they know right now. And they're praising God. Verse 18, in contrast to dying and being cut off early, we will bless the Lord from this time forth, And forevermore. Because our spirits are going to praise Him forever. Because God is going to preserve us. And because God is going to preserve us and our children. So us and our families are going to keep up the praise of God forever. I don't care how you want to think about it. Or if if you want to think about it in all those ways. We are just going to keep on praising the Lord. Because the Lord is our help and our shield. He's going to protect us and deliver us. And we will praise Him. Praise the Lord. And so ends the psalm.